Second hour, Darren Donick and Chase on this rainy Wednesday morning. Jeffrey Simmons will join us in about 40 minutes or so. We talked to John Glennon from The Athletic. It's been an athletic theme today on the show. We had Pierre Lebron and now John Glennon. John, how you doing? I'm doing well, and you? Doing fantastic. Um, want to make of, let's just start with the kicking situation. Do you think in your gut that Ryan Suckup has a chance of actually playing on Sunday? Uh, good question. You know, he's certainly been improving. Um, but you know, the fact that they didn't activate him, uh, yet makes me wonder just a little bit. I, I wouldn't be stunned if we, uh, if we wait another week here, you know, I know he's, he's been able to practice. Uh, we still haven't seen a, a lot of them. So, you know, it, it wouldn't shock me, uh, if they, if they wait one more week, we'll, uh, we'll see a lot uh, today, I imagine. I'm pretty sure that was you. I was trying. I, I, like I said, I, I'm pretty sure it was you. But uh, in fact, I think somebody came on here and, and said, gave you kudos. Maybe it was Tehran. Yeah, was it Tehran yeah, that said? Okay, it was John. So Tehran. I I thought it was you all along, and then I think Tehran confirmed it on Monday when he was in studio with us. But you know, I mean, we we've talked about it every week. I mean, just the questionable calls, and I think one, it's a dangerous path when all of a sudden you start getting defensive about it every time. And then you start lashing out at the media for asking the questions. What what has been your whole take on some of the decisions that we've seen out of Mike Vrabel this season? You know, I mean, uh, honestly, I mean, hindsight is always is twenty twenty. But I think to our credit, you know, now that we have uh, Twitter, you know, we can actually call out some of these decisions before the play occurs. And I, I think I've been on record on on Twitter as saying, you know, I disagree with some of those decisions. Uh, before the before the play happened as well, and you know, as has often been said, and then Mike Brable has said this too. It's one thing to be aggressive, another to be reckless. And you know, we look in particular at this game uh, last weekend against Tampa Bay, and of course the the fake field goal call. And and my point there is that I just don't see the rewards of that outweighing the risk. To me, you know, even if you get that first down right there. There's still over three and a half minutes left in the game. Tampa Bay has two timeouts. There's the two-minute warning. So you haven't clinched the game by any stretch. You're probably going to be in the same situation, just a little bit better time-wise, you know, in the next series of downs. But on the other hand, you risk turning the ball over. Uh, you risk getting your tremendous punter, you know, virtually decapitated. Uh, and you're putting the ball in the hands, obviously, uh, of a guy again with with Kern who's not used to carrying the ball, and that that uh, you know more prone to turnover. So I, I just didn't think it was a good call in in that instance. Uh, and and Mike, uh, you know, certainly started off as his press conference, uh, you know, almost trying to to jump on it and, and quell the uh, quell the questions right away, and and uh, the questions were not going to go away on that. Do you think he's capable of change i feel like he's kind of he digs in and you know it's almost like he's just going to keep pushing back do you think he I, I said on monday quite honestly if this is you know this is their guy and we know this is john robinson's guy this is this is who he's identified to take them the next step but that, that's fine but i think mike Vrabel desperately needs like a former coach or someone that can talk to him in these situations i have no clue if mike Vrabel would ever be open to something like that i have no clue if he would listen to anybody how, yeah. how would you answer that well yeah it's kind of funny you know he was asked about analytics uh, the other day and and you know what what stock the titans put in with them and, and at first he began talking about you know hey analytics are, are good you know you like to have every 
option available to you? And it almost seemed by the end of the answer, though, he was kind of like, yeah, but, you know, it's a bunch of numbers and, and uh, uh, you know, what's it, what's it really say when things go differently in a game than you expected them to? So there's still a lot of, you know, kind of the, the old school, I think, also in Mike Vrabel of, um, you know, we're not going to concern ourselves too too much with that. But I, I do think, you know, I think the Titans are one of the teams that um, haven't invested a lot in analytics, and I, I think that will likely change, uh, would be my guess, during this offseason. I, I think Mike Vrabel is a, is a bright guy um but i just don't think some of those decisions have been good and you know you would have to you have to think when you look at your track record and and when i say track record i'm looking at fourth downs for instance this year i think they're one for eight on fourth downs and you say hey you know maybe i ought to play a cautious for for a time or two instead of you know pushing the envelope each and every time john i think it's a great point on analytics you're either going to get on board uh now or if you're not already, it might be too late. At least you're play, if playing catch-up. I think every sport has had plenty of examples. Baseball might have been the first, but the other sports have fallen into line. Football might be the last because it might be the toughest because there's the most guys on the field to try to use analytics to your advantage. I never thought sure. basketball could use analytics, but, man, is that game run by analytics now. So to sit there and scoff at it, I think is, man, we've seen this 10, 15 years ago. Coaches do that, but they usually don't last if you're not using it as part of your tools. It's not; it shouldn't take over what you do, sure. but it should be part of your thinking. Yeah, I, I agree completely. And why not have every option available to you? As you said, it doesn't have to take over. You're not going to go on uh, autopilot and say, "Okay, this is what the what the book says," or "This is what my analytics favor in this situation." I'm going to do it. But hey, at least you have that information available to you. At least you have that that background, or you know maybe even you have a, a guy, uh, you know who's whispering suggestions into your ear in, in certain critical situations. You know, I mean, I'm sure it is extremely difficult for a head coach who has to have, you know, concern himself with everything on the field, everything off the field. You know, in the moment, he, he's not allowed to, to wait 24 hours and then second guess his own calls. I'm sure it's very difficult to, to make some of these calls. That's why. Why not, you know, as, as you said, uh, uh, Darren, have somebody who's, who's uh, you know, that's primarily his role. Those kind of situations, again, not to tell Mike Ray what to do, but to, you know, to offer suggestions, to, to offer options in those situations. In my opinion, you need, you need that mathematics person. You need somebody that really understands the numbers. But then even more importantly, you need somebody as the transition person who knows football is respected by football people, the coaches, et cetera, that have no background in analytics. And you need them to be able to translate and put it in terms that they understand. And it's coming from a person that they're not going to sit there and go, that guy's never played football. What does he know about fourth and one? I've been in fourth and one. You know what I mean? That, there, that right. discussion has to – there has to be that buffer between the two. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and and I do think there's that role in it. And and Mike Vrabel, I think, was asked another point earlier this year. You know, which people in the organization were involved in analytics, and he sort of uh, it was a bit of a vague answer. He, he sort of said, "Oh, you know, we've got some maybe some assistant coaches who who do this, or maybe some some scouts who do this." But you know, I, I think it's high time um, that there was uh, one or or two people directly involved in that. You know, that's their complete responsibility. That's what they do. Uh, each and every week, and that's what they're responsible for on game day. And 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 again, I'll I'll stress it again. Does that mean 
they have to follow what these people say? Of course not. You know, Mike Vrabel is a guy who played in the NFL and knows more about the the, the game of football than, than all of us combined by by a long shot. But have your options available to you. Why why you know why shoot down things uh, without even taking a look at them? John, I know you got to go to uh, to Mike Vrabel's press conference, but real quick, the Titans did try out a couple of quarterbacks yesterday. Was that just due diligence, or what do you make of that? I'm curious about that myself. Uh, you know, certainly, well, there was the the rumor that that made the rounds on the internet yesterday that at first, uh, uh, Marcus Mariota might be headed to the uh, to the IR. And I know uh, uh, Paul Koharski did a good job of of kind of quashing that uh, rumor later in the in the afternoon. Um, you know, I want to say uh, uh, due diligence um, because, you know, I, I'm, I'd be a little stunned, frankly, uh, at the fact that Marcus Mariota, after sitting for two weeks, after practicing every day we've seen him, after playing six games, would go to IR as a result of, you know, supposedly an injury that was sustained in preseason. That sounds a little far-fetched. So, you know, uh, they they do look at uh, all positions from time to time. So I, I want to believe it's just due diligence, but I'm I'm going to try to follow up on that today myself. John, appreciate the visit as always. We know you got to run in there and attend that, so uh, we will talk to you soon. Okay, thanks, guys. All right, that is John Glennon from the Athletic covering the Titans. Of course, they're in Charlotte to take on the Carolina Panthers. We'll talk to Big Jeff Jeffrey Simmons. In about 30 minutes, more of Darren, Donnick, and Chase on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Tim Hasselbeck coming up at noon, our weekly chat with him. Thursday night, tomorrow night, the Thursday night game will be out in Glendale, Arizona. State Farm Stadium, it's no longer University of Phoenix. 49ers and Cardinals. Yeah, you seem very excited about that. That'll be a dud. Then you've got the Texans and Jags. This is one that, you know, will not be. This, That's important. This will be a big deal. So remember that at 8.30 Sunday morning. 8.30 kickoff. As uh, I think that game will be on NFL Network, I believe. Texans and Jags, 8.30 over in London. That is a big one. The Jags are 4-4. Four and four, The Titans are 4-4. Four and four, The Texans are 5-3. and three, And that'll be interesting to see how life without J.J. Watt looks for the Texans, and isn't um, I just I'm, now I'm drawing blanks. Uh, the left tackle isn't he hurt too? Yeah, they traded for Larry Johnson. Larry Johnson isn't he hurt? I think he was. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know the latest. I, I, yeah, I don't know if he's available or, or what, but um, it's going to be interesting. And then you have the Colts in Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. That is he at expects noon. to play versus the Jags okay. in London. In London. All right. Uh, the Titans in Charlotte to take on the Panthers. Panthers are four and three. Titans are 4-4. Four and four. Of course, that's a noon kickoff at Bank of America Stadium. So what are we expecting in this game? I mean, there's it's no secret. I mean, they have to find a way. And I don't even know if it's possible, although it is because, as we talked about a lot last week, the Tampa Bay Bucks defense did do it. They did slow Christian McCaffrey down twice this year. But I'll tell you what, nobody else has. So you know you're going to have your hands full with McCaffrey. Boy. Yeah. And if it's not running, it's receiving. I mean, that that's the thing about it. It's just it. as dangerous. Yeah, yeah. He can get you both ways. Yeah, it's if he's not dangerous. running it well, then they just throw it to him. Yep. He, he's going to get the ball. That's that's they make they make you stop him. It all starts there. There's there's no question about it. And then you have to you have to try to make life tough on on Kyle Allen. But that's that's what McCaffrey does so well. He just makes it easier 
for you. And their offensive line is pretty good, right? Their offense, though, despite McCaffrey's production, is not the most efficient. Their most efficient unit is their defense, uh, particularly uh, pass defense, according to Football Outsiders. I haven't watched them play that much. It's weird because um, we just I just gave you Kyler Murray's numbers against them earlier in the season. He went 30 for 43, but only had 173 yards passing. Now, that's not <laughs> overly efficient. He had two interceptions, too. So I'm curious to see. But their run defense hasn't been as efficient. It doesn't... It doesn't show in a lot of the rushing stats. But I wonder if this is a day that Derrick Henry can get on track because his numbers have gone way down in terms of efficiency. All the law, you know, the tackles for losses. See what he did and last like week, that. though, against a really good rush I defense? thought that was encouraging. I mean, he, I, I know he, he ran had, the ball well. I know he had negative plays. I mean, that's You're going happen. to against the Bucks. You're going to in general, right? They showed the chart on the telecast that the running backs that are amongst yeah. the league leaders in tackles for loss or being tackled for a loss, some of the best of all time, Barry Sanders and those guys. So, But that's his game. That's Derrick Henry's it's game. Happen. It's what Nick Saban yeah. told you guys at SEC Media Days. You have to keep feeding him the football, and he has to get into a rhythm. And he did that against you know one of the best rush defenses in the league. I, I'm, I, my hope is now he you know goes against a, a rush defense that – isn't very good, and he's able to continue that production because I think that's what he needs. He needs consistency. He needs to be able to put it together in back-to-back games, and that's going to help with the offensive efficiency overall led by Ryan Tannehill. He, he broke the long one, which was nice. Uh, looking at his numbers, I feel like he's run the ball fairly well, like better, obviously better than it was at this point last year, right, where he was he was maneuvering out of the game plan in a lot of the weeks at this stage of the season. I feel like the stage is set for him to do his best work in the second half because the weather starts getting tougher. I think defenses start getting a little bit worn down. This is hopefully when he can start going to work. But that being said, with his production this year, he is minus 10.6% below average. Like if zero is average, he is 10% below or 10, almost 11% below average, which ranks him 28th among the running backs in football outsiders. Now, my eye test tells me he's been a little bit better than that. I don't think he's been bad. I think he has gotten tough yards when needed, but he hasn't broken enough big ones to offset some of the runs for losses. Right. It's not all on him. I just, But I, I feel like there's something better there. The big one he broke last week, they got called back. I mean, that was... That, that was tough. And he was about to get a, an even bigger gainer when, yeah. when he fumbled on the one. Yep. And he was, you know, I told you guys in his post post game press or his scrum, and he just didn't have much to say because he was beating himself up about that fumble. Uh, Mike Vrabel says Ryan Suckup will practice today. The team will decide later in the week if he will kick Sunday versus the Panthers. Also, Josh Kalu that's been on IR, he's practicing as well. Vrabel announced so those could be two candidates to come off uh, come off IR designated to return. Thank you for your excitement. <laughs> Thank you, Chase. Hey, I'm just reporting the news, okay? It's what I do. Uh, McCaffrey is well on his way to a career year rushing. He already has a career year in rushing touchdowns already. They're, they're, like I said, th- this game will be their midpoint of the season, and he already has eight touchdowns rushing. Last year was his career record was seven, and he rushed for just over 1,000 yards. He's got 735 y- yards rushing already with nine games to go. So, unless barring an injury, he's going to shatter his rushing yards. 
He's already beaten his rushing touchdowns. Now, obviously, the strength of him has been obviously more of the receptions. He had 80 receptions his rookie year. 107 receptions last year. When's the last time the Titans have had a 100-plus reception guy? Uh, it was the Oilers, wasn't it? Yeah, that would be what hey, what Jeffries. Did D Mace ever come close to 100 yeah. with the Titans? Yeah. Yes, he was very close. He was in the 90s. They've been close. When when Heimerdinger got there, it didn't Kendall Wright one bit. year get really uh, really he close? Might have had 100. Did he get 100? I think maybe maybe, maybe 90, right there. Or something maybe. So D Mace had 95 in 2003, 96 in 2004. Yeah, he was very close. Kendall Wright was close. I want to say Kendall in Kendall Wright. The I last think he had ninety catches receiver. for one hundred and ten yards. You're going ninety. <laughs> he he did not have a lot of yards for the amount of catches he made. His yards per catch was not that good. Uh, Twenty thirteen, he had ninety four. That 94. was the year he went over a thousand yards. Yeah. So yeah. he was targeted one hundred and thirty nine times. McCaffrey has thirty nine receptions at this point, so he's still got some work to do. Three hundred forty three yards receiving. And two touchdowns. So, but he's once again on pace to do what he does every year, and he's going to shatter all the rushing stuff. So, if he continues to do what he's been doing, it looks like Christian McCaffrey, if he's upright and playing for the entire season, is going to have like a two thousand yard all purpose season and be the MVP. Probably great Probably. test. Probably. I mean, he's definitely definitely in contention right now. I mean, he's going to be the one that they have to watch out for. I am curious, Willie. You brought this up. About Kyle Allen because this this secondary has been playing playing some good football right now. Dory Jackson, we don't know uh, what the status is going to be there, but you know the they are they're a ball hawking secondary right now, and that you know with a, a young quarterback like Kyle Allen, that's something you have to expose. Uh, Kyle Allen's numbers, if you're curious, from he, he is your favorite football outsider. Yes, I know all about him now. <laughs> He ranks 22nd among their quarterbacks, 10% below average. And in the QBR stat that ESPN put together, they list the rankings on on that as well. Uh, Kyle Allen ranks 23rd in that stat. So Mariota, just in case you were wondering where he was, he's 32nd and 27th in the two things. uh, Tannehill still hasn't qualified to get into it, but he – in the, in his limited time, he is eleven point six percent above average, so a clear upgrade. And I think our eye test would back that up, without a doubt. For sure. Question is: Is Delaney Walker going to be available? Here's a, here's another know. question. What's the hurry? Yeah, that's what I was you're about getting to say. the production from John U. Smith and Anthony Ferkser, and you have Michael Pruitt. It's, it's kind of the three headed monster. They all sort of do their thing. It worked for them. Last year, they so had Michael to deal Pruitt with got that. that hold on the Derrick Henry run and got it called back. But in general, I, I think yeah. he's a good blocker. He is. He is. I, look, John Would I Smith, rather have Delaney Walker? Yes, but if it's 100%. Like, I think they've come to the conclusion that if – let's get him right. You know, let's have Delaney Walker as Delaney Walker. Right. And in the meantime, him at 50 or 60%, I don't know what he was, but clearly he's got – Well, they weren't using it's him. It's an issue. I mean, there was something going on because they weren't using him. They just yeah he he there was no production he's not the, the first he game is not the there same. was but he had the two touchdowns against Cleveland but then that was it and Jonu Smith has picked up where he left off you know once he got going last year 
and became a big part of this offense. Now he's doing it again. I mean, I, I'm with you. If you're if this team is gonna is in contention later on in the season and you get Delaney Walker at 100 percent and you have Johnny Smith, that's the two headed monster that you need, especially with Tannehill being able to spread it around. I I wonder what will happen in the coming weeks with Delaney Walker, but I think the approach of trying to get him as close to 100% as you can, get him to a level that he hasn't been in several weeks physically is the right approach, even if you got to go through the bye week. Right. I, I'm with you on that. Don't rush him because you don't have to. Yeah, you're not desperate. The, the other guys, he had to go through the whole year with these guys last year, and they, they had a, some production, yeah. and this year it's been even and better. Ferkser, you know, you brought Ferkser up. I mean, he's, Ferkser he's been and Johnny too. Smith have looked very good the last couple weeks. Tickets are now available to purchase NashvilleSC.com. You can hear the action beginning at 6.45 p.m. on Saturday evening on the official radio home of the Nashville Soccer Club, 94.9 Game 2. If you would like to be in attendance on Saturday night at First Tennessee Park, USL Championship Eastern Conference Semifinals, as Nashville SC takes on Indy 11, caller 6, 615-737-1025. 737-1025. Caller 6. And you're headed to First Tennessee Park. You've got a pair of tickets to see Nashville SC and Indy 11. We'll come back more. Remember of- that thing that happened earlier with Pierre Lebrun when I got the text that you were going to break? Mm-hmm. Jeffrey Simmons will join us next. Okay. I like how this is all working <laughs> out. Jeffrey Simmons on the other side. ESPN 1025, the game. Congratulations, Tim, in Nashville. Tim's going to be over First Tennessee Park on Saturday. See Nashville SC. Tim was lucky caller six. A lot of you wanted to go. Don't worry. Did you say Tim? Tim. Not Hasselbeck. No? no. Uh, did we did we check on that? Uh, yeah, I think they, they get the last name. Okay. Jason okay. said no. I thought Tim well, he might, didn't really say that, but I, I... I thought Tim might be trying to sneak. Yeah, he's saying no. A couple of soccer tickets. Yeah. I mean, all he has to do is remember, ask his best friend. I, well, I know. Wait, remember what he did for the Titans preseason game. He paid. He paid good money. He paid. He, he paid good money. He to knows see the people. Patriots. He knows people. He I should know. not have had to pay that. I know, but he just he wiped. You know, he just well, just on the street too. You can notice though. The, I've the system. I've been driving behind Hasselback, and he just throws hundred dollar bills out the window. He doesn't care. <laughs> Money's no object to him. I need to drive behind him then. Yeah, he's he just money just doesn't matter to him. I wouldn't mind a couple of hundos, you know, out the window. How? How Gill put Roman Yossi on the spot last night and said, man, you signed $74 million. Because I said to Hal, and I told Roman this last night, I said, Hal, would you change? Like, Roman's, you know, Roman's a glass <laughs> act. It's not going to affect you. I mean, Roman's going to be Roman. He's going to be the same guy. And it's not like he hasn't made money already to this point in his career, right? And he's just added $74 more million. Yeah. I said, Hal, what, what would happen if you signed a $74 million deal? You know what his answer was? I can only imagine. I know. I know. Get it's, a lot of beer. It, why do we always say that about Hal? I can only imagine what he would his, say. His wheels start turning. Yeah. So what did he say? He said, try me. <laughs> I said, I have yeah. a feeling that would be a dangerous thing for you to have signed a $74 million deal when you were a player. <laughs> That's good. He goes, try me. <laughs> but Hal asked Roman, like, okay, what do you, like, do, do you have something special you want to buy? You know, is there something that you've always wanted that now you can, I mean, you know, I don't want to say money is no object, but I mean, it's really not. I mean, he can do whatever he wants within region, you know, within reason or within a region. You can't buy a region. 
Can't buy a country. I don't think you can uh, go to well, regions. I, I think it was asked. Somebody didn't want. Somebody want to buy uh, Greenland? Not too long ago. <laughs> uh, I'm not. Let's not go there. Okay. Yeah, let's, <laughs> so we'll go there. let's pull the ripcord. Is Darren <laughs> 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 Um Roman said he really didn't he have, didn't anything. have anything. No, he said, and then yeah. he gave the answer they got. Of course, a huge round of applause and Barrel House was. He said, "Yeah, I'll probably do something nice for my parents." You know, that's that had everybody cool. going cool. What what would you guys do with seventy four million, yeah, I, Chase? I, I got to be honest. I I'm kind of like Hal. I'm scared to ask. Um, <laughs> but he's you, like, okay, don't say what you want to say. Well, make sure this comes off the right way. Well, let, let's bring it back to Tim Hasselbeck. Remember, he's had some funny stories about some of his teammates oh, yeah. that did some funky stuff with no all that money. Question. He said something like half a million. It was something like, I think it was Clinton Portis that bought like a huge yes. fish tank. Aqu- an aquarium, yes. Yeah, just a massive aquarium. Yes. I would invest. I mean, I would definitely yeah. find oh, some investment. Stop it. <laughs> I, nobody cares about that. <laughs> I would invest. Have you ever seen uh, Brewster's Millions? <laughs> Where he has to do all what that stuff? What the hell would you do with the money? Like purchases of something nobody cares about. Nobody cares right. about investments. Well, let, well, let's assume, Chase, that you would make practical decisions. Like, okay? would, I mean, would it be a Chase ha- is well, trying first, to show like that a, I wouldn't just go and blow it on anything. This, you know, a car that you've always dreamed I would of. Buy, I a would house buy, that you've always dreamed of. I would buy a house. Like, that's, that's how big what would I you go? Do. How big would you go? Like, would you be obnoxious? I thought about this because... Um, okay, I'm going to give you the standard. Okay. And you tell me if you're going over or under. The standard house? Well, hold on. Okay. Mookie Betts is building a 20,000 square foot home in Franklin. Over, under? Under. I don't need that. Yeah, I know. I okay, I'm glad. Thank you. I don't need that. Uh, if you would have said over, I would have been really disappointed. I would build a house big enough for me, obviously... But it's just me. Sawyer would need a yard, and yes. I'd let let him have his house out in the yard. And then I'd want a few bedrooms that people could come stay, you know, whatever. But I wouldn't want to have to keep up with it. Now I know with seventy four million dollars, I could to pay somebody to do that, and I would probably do that because those of you that know no, me, no, it's not probably you would. I'm not the cleanest person in the world, so <laughs> I would probably hire somebody to to help with that. But then, yeah, I'd go buy a fast car that I don't need because oh. I love cars. So yeah. I would go. I would so go. Do get, you have one in mind? I'd get a Corvette. Really? Soup it up, just top of the line. I've always wanted a Corvette. Okay. So I'd do that. You you realize your size, right? Have you have you ever sat in a Corvette? I have. It's uh, tight. I'm not sure that's the most comfortable car for you. No, but I would or I was, practical, like you're. Big guy, and those I are well. I can't buy a race car. I'm, well, I could. You could do. <laughs> I could do that. Chase, you can do. A lot of, <laughs> you can be surprised what you could do with that. That's contract. what I do. I would buy a a stock car. Buy the super speedway and do something with it. Do something with yeah. it. I'd buy a stock car. I'd call Dale Jr. and be like, "Hey, you want to do one off? Go drive drive the Daytona 500. Let's do it. Let's go. Go win that baby." I would be nervous about you keeping your money around for a long time a little bit really yeah would you yeah a little bit because i think you would go crazy at first yeah (laughs) (laughs) my friends and i have this joke that uh we were talking like what would you do if you won the lottery like it was at like 350 million or something like that and i was like well i would take everybody on a trip like i i would the first thing i do is i'd get a plane and i would take all my friends on a trip and 
my friend Amber was like, cool, where are you taking us? And I wanted to be funny, and I just pulled the first city out of thin air, and I said, Ottawa. <laughs> They're like, Ottawa? I'm like, yeah, Canada, Ottawa. And so the running gag has been, if I ever get rich, I have to take everyone to Ottawa. So there you go. Hmm. Go to Ottawa. That sounds like fun. Go to a Senators game. Be a good time. <laughs> Ask Kyle Turris, you know, the hot spots. Our buddy Robbie Stanley. Honestly, it's a it's a pretty nice city. I just never get to see it because the arena is so far from the city. Uh, I'm with our buddy Robbie Stanley, NHL.com. He said, I'd put a lazy river in my house. I'm with you. I would do the same thing. <laughs> Jared just asked me, do I know what a hedge fund is? <laughs> Don't answer that. <laughs> Don't answer that. I just was curious. Now, Willie, I have no idea. He probably... I don't even. I don't even know. I think I would go for property, like over the cars. Like I'm not. I'm not a sports car. I'm not into that. I'd get a good I would, car. I would buy. But some I would go. Property. I would go second. I, I would get like a second home. I, I know my wife would. I, she <sighs> wants would to leave live East up, Nashville. No, I'm not saying that. We would have like a property up in for a summer house or oh, something in New England. Oh, in the vineyard. I don't know about in the yeah. vineyard. Oh, it'd be the vineyard. I'd have to make a lot yeah. of money for that one. Uh, you, you, you see Roman's contract. Guaranteed. Is that enough? Is that enough? I would hope so. Have you seen the prices on some of those it's houses? There, well, <laughs> you know, you can get one of the smaller ones. Yeah, you'd be pretty small. I mean, you're not yeah, going to be there be, much. Yeah, I guess you a couple summer months, maybe rent it out know. when you're not there. Probably. So there, know, there you yeah. go. I just, I never think about you. Make money off that stuff. Yeah. Just be able to fly to places where you want to go. That's what I would be no. thinking about, you know? Private is good. Private, Private planes? Jet. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's always a good Air option. chaser. But see, this my face is, on the side of it. This is why the 30 for 30 came out on broke, because guys that's like us have blown all of our money. I a little yeah. bit about Chase. That's why, see, you got mad at me no, and made fun I, of me because I said, I'm going to invest. You're like, well, that's boring. Yeah, what are you going to do with well, it? Well, look, I would be well, the no, first that, to be like, some hey. Some of those guys do, and they invest in really bad stuff. Chaser, that's why I'm borrow, not going to buy a car wash. Can I borrow Air Chase? That's I'd a, be the first one, but I also That's what Lenny think, Dykstra did. Lenny Dykstra went down yeah, with the car washes. Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. Car washes. Yeah, he had a lot of them. He had a lot. I and think then real estate is probably the way to go these days. I'm just saying, I was looking out for you. I'd want to borrow the stuff, but I was looking out for you. Yeah, well, now, now, you, now you, now you want to be nice. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'll be nice. Can I borrow the plane? Sure. All right, we'll come back. Big Jeff, Jeffrey Simmons, on the other side of Darren Donick and Chase, ESPN 1025, the game. Don't forget about our NFL pregame show, or should I say shows. Four and a half hours of coverage starting. Sunday morning at 7 o'clock, 7 to 9.30 a.m. Are you going to be uh, a part of that or no? Nope. Ryan's got it this week. All right. Ryan Porth and? Calvin Smith. Calvin Smith. 7 to 9.30 a.m., followed by the show that's shifting. Actually, the- Max thinks he's doing it. So there you go. Okay. What's well, not in the copy. That's why I was asking. Uh, George Jones downtown on 2nd Avenue, where our coverage will be from 9.30 until 11.30. That will be Nick Kale, Floyd Reese, and Forever Titan, Chris Sanders, taking you all the way up until kickoff in Charlotte. Carolina Panthers and Titans NFL pregame show is brought to you by Wholesale Link, powered by RumbleOn.com, Kubota Tractors, Middle Tennessee Kubota Dealers, and Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House. I thought uh, 
G Pander nailed it. G Pander 78 says, DMAC, what are you talking about? Chase would put the money in a Preds gift bag, stick it under his desk, and forget about it for the next two years. That's very true. That was that was, that was good. That was good. Well done. Uh, Caleb, or at Loyal Legion 615, says, uh, I would buy stock in the Predators and keep a pedal tavern on the ice forever. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right, let's head over to the facility. Jeffrey Simmons is on the line with us. Big Jeff, how you doing? I'm doing great. How you doing? Doing fantastic on this uh, rainy Wednesday. So you've got two games under your belt. You're two and zero in your NFL career. Things aren't bad, are they? Not so bad. Got a lot of work to do. You know, we just gotta um, keep building and keep working, and try to keep this um, this winning thing going. You know, it feels great to win, especially as a team. Um, so we just gotta keep it going. Jeffrey, we had Wesley Woodyard on last week, and I asked about you know basically all of us having to admit. When we first heard that, you know, they weren't even, you know, that they they were, it was going to be sooner rather than later with you. I think we all kind of went, really? And then to see you get out there in that spot and, and everybody's like, okay, what can you really expect in this spot? It's going to take time. Kind of Rashawn Evans went through this last year. And for you to have the impact that you did, I mean, it blew us away. So the question is, is that what you expected? I mean, did you – how did you feel going into this spot, and what were your expectations for yourself? I mean, I was just – the whole time, you know, um, that when I finally got on the practice field, you know, I felt good, you know. You know, I went to um, Coach Ray and them that weekend, just like, you know, I feel good, I'm healthy, so I'm just ready to go. And, you know, once I got out there, you know, as my mindset is, you know, when I'm on the field, you know, I'm not thinking about my knee, you know, I'm thinking about just playing football, you know, my – my position, you know, you have to, you know, whoop the man up, um, that line up across from you. So, you know, that was my mindset, you know, the whole time, not thinking about, you know, trying to do too much, just playing football. And, you know, that just what I did, you know, I just felt like, you know, I was doing my job and just going from there. So, I'm sure you've been a part of goal line stands before, but month that may not have been bigger than that one two weeks ago against the Chargers in your first NFL game. Uh, it was a game changer. It saved the game for you guys. How how big was that goal line stand for you and your teammates? It was big, you know, um, especially the way that game was going. You know, it was a close game. You know, it was a great team that we were playing against, and, you know, we knew that, you know, they were going to keep trying to run the ball at us. So, you know, us being um, a great defense, that you know, we have, have a great defense here, you know, just not, you know, bagging down. We, I said we're going to defend every inch of grass, and, you know, that's what we did. And, you know, we came up with a great stop. You know, D-line did their job. Linebacker did their job. Secondary did their job. So, I mean, everybody played a big part in that. This is the first time we've had a chance to talk to you. And I remember when the Titans drafted you and we had Joe Moorhead on the show. We had Bob Shoup on the show. We had guys who covered Mississippi State. I and mean, we talked to a lot of people that have been around you. And i got to be honest, the message was consistent. It was the same with everybody. Everybody just praised the type of player you are, the type of person that you are, what you bring to the table. So I guess the question I have for you, since, like I said, we haven't talked to you before, is where did that come from? I mean, it's totally with Dan, you know. Um, I, was just, I, I know for sure, you know, I come from a great um, background. My mom, you know, um, single parent that raised, you know, five kids on her own. And it's just, you know, her standards for us, and, you know, it just, you know, I try to live up to that. And, you know, my, me, myself, you know, I just, 
you know, I take pride in, you know, my character. I take pride in how I conduct myself, you know. Um, so from that point on, you know, I just, you know, you always have someone looking at you, you know, you know, don't know who it is, but, you know, you just got to always conduct yourself, um, you know, ask someone, you looking at someone watching you. So that's just my mind say, you know, every every day, Every, especially walking into this building, you know, um, here, you know, just conduct myself like I want a, you know, a future job here. So, man, that's just how I conduct myself, how I carry myself, like, you know, for the future, basically, what I'm saying. We're talking to Jeffrey Simmons, the rookie defensive lineman for the Tennessee Titans. And, Jeffrey, uh, two of the people you're talking to have been through the ACL uh, reconstruction here, so we, we have a little bit of a feel for what <laughs> you've gone through. But I, I want to ask you just the, the mindset you have to have, because you worked your, your way back. There were a lot of people saying at the beginning of the season, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to come back and help them. You clearly are doing that. So you must have really had the right mentality every day in that physical therapy. So, so tell me how you approach that. Oh, that's, that's just the way, you know, like I said, um, how I conduct myself, you know. My mom always taught us, you know, you have to work what you want. And what I wanted was to get back on the field because that's what I – the thing that sucked the most was not being able to play football. So, you know, every time I wake woke up, wake up in the morning, you know, I woke up like you know with a mindset that, you know, I have to, you know, it's one day step, one uh, step closer to getting on the field and you know just be better than I was yesterday. And that was my mindset. And like I said, um, basically that whole process was mentally, and like I said, I just I was mentally strong through the whole thing. You uh, earlier in the game had a sack. It was the first time you really just jumped off the screen at us and, hey, here's Jeffrey Simmons. He's arrived. You must have had that great satisfaction of that first big play. I could tell also how excited your teammates were for you. What was that moment like? I was just one of the moments that, you know, it's finally here. You know, I'm finally playing football again. And, you know, especially with my teammates' excitement, and, you know, it was just, you know, I felt even better, you know, seeing them, you know, so happy for me that I made that sack, you know, made a play. I said, um, props to Daquan, you know, we had a game on, you know, we ran a perfect game and I looped around and just the excitement from all the guys, you know, that just made me even, you know, feel better about myself, you know, being back on the field. And, you know, I just, you know, from that point on, you know, I just got to keep making them type of plays, you know, to help the defense win and help the team win the minute game. Now, now there's that week in and week out preparation, physically, mentally, et cetera. I heard Mike Vrabel say this. When, when they asked about you at the press conference on Monday, after the win on Sunday, he said, the good news for me is that Jeffrey seems like he feels better after this game than he did after the first game. And I, I think he's a guy that's been through that. He knows that it's tough to jump in midstream. So how important is it going to be for you to maybe to stay as sharp as you can so you can sustain this throughout? Like I said, just, it's, that's, I, I guess you know, that's the reason why we play the game. It's the reason why we have practice every week. You know, just got to keep getting better and take the coaching. You know, I'm a, I'm big on that. You know, trying to learn more football as as I get older. You know, as I play this game, you know, you have to actually learn from other people. You have to take the coaching, and you know that's why that's what I'm you know expecting to do. That's what um, you know I, I'm sure the coaches expect me to do that. You know, and I feel like I have a lot more left, um, especially you know just coming and helping this team win. So I feel like I just gotta you know keep getting better so I could help this team win more games. Jeffrey Simmons is with us here on Darren Donick and Chase, and I, I've heard people, uh, players on the defense, say this, that if you know the Dean Pease defense, it's a lot of fun for you. If you don't know the Dean Pease defense, it's not. It's a, it's a lot of work. How have you been able with 
missing time, you know, training camp and then coming in just a couple of weeks ago, been able to keep up with everything. And it seems like that you have grasped this defense that wow. Dean Pease has put together. That's the whole thing, you know, especially during the, um, this recovery process. You know, I had to – I was in every meeting, you know, I was going to every walkthrough, you know, watching, you know, paying attention from from the far, you know. And, um, you know, I'm, I was always active in the meeting, you know, asking questions, you know, coaching them, asking me questions. So, you know, it's one of the things that, you know, you know, after as that recovery process was going, you know, I, I'm sure they knew that I was getting close to time to actually practice. So that's when I started getting more and more engaged, you know. So that's that helped a lot, you know, being able to walk through, you know, and actually see in the meeting room what the coaches want, so. How cool has it been for you to be able to lean on guys like a Jarrell Casey or Wesley Woodyard, other of the, the veteran members of this defense, and be able to, to pick some things out of their brains, of not only about this defense, but about playing in the NFL? I mean, that just, I feel like that's one of the, you know, pros about, you know, having guys like that, you know, Wesley and um, Jarrell, you know, some guys who actually played this game a long time, you know, just getting, you know, some stuff from them, especially Jarrell that play, plays my position, you know, he always, you know, if, you know, telling me this and that. So it's like, you know, having him in the same D-line room as me, you know, playing all these years is very helpful. Um, and then you just have a, a great leader like Wesley who, you know, don't always try to get everything out of you. So, I mean, it just – I feel like it's one of the things that it's an honor to have them type of guys around you and on the same team as you. Jeffrey, I'm just going to put the bug in your ear as we wrap this up. I'm not trying to make your plans for you, but your bye week, your off week. Uh, Mississippi State's got a home game against Alabama, so you might want to look into that. I'm just saying. Uh, you know, I'm probably I'll probably be there. Um, you know, I'm expecting you know them to try to actually win the game. You know, not to back down. You know, that's something that we take pride in, not to back down for no one. So, especially you know, Mississippi State always been an underdog, so. I mean, just one of the things, we just got to go with that mentality, you know, not begging down for no one. So. I like it. Hey, good to talk to you for the first time. Good job. Go to Charlotte, get a win, and uh, we'll talk to you down the road. Yes, sir. Tighten up. All right. That is Jeffrey Simmons. Big Jeff. Man, it's hard to believe the impact he's already made in two weeks. You can two tell, games. You can tell how much the coaching staff and the players like him. Everything yeah, you, know? you hear, just you hear it right there. I mean, I – They like him. I And, and it, they see that he's – it looks like he's got a little something special. Oh, right? absolutely. It, uh, you know, you heard Albert Hainsworth last week talking about him and just, mm-hmm. you know, having a glowing endorsement. And then I brought up to Dan Mullen in SEC Media Days, I asked him about Jeffrey Simmons, and he lit up. I mean, he was talking about the Florida Gators, and, like, I asked him about a former player at Mississippi State, and, I mean, he lit up and gave a two-and-a-half, three-minute answer. So I think everything that we've heard is, is definitely true. By the way, the Chiefs-Titans game, November 10th, CBS has confirmed that will be called by Jim Nance and Tony Romo. And I'm assuming the big dogs. They think Patrick Mahomes will be back in the mix. Yeah. That's the second time this year the Titans will have yep. Nance and Romo. Well, they did the Cleveland game, right? Yep. All right. But they'll be here. Yeah. All right. We will come back. Good stuff from Jeffrey Simmons. Come back, kick off the third hour with Tim Hasselback. We do that next on Darren Donnick and Chase, ESPN 1025, the game.